Hi, this is our Cosmic Tasks, and my name is Euphoria Stokely. I'm here to tell you who I am, what this podcast is about, what I do, how I got here, my cosmic task, my vision for my business called Head, Heart, and Home Consulting, and how I'm going to naturally let this podcast unfold and follow wherever it leads me. Lastly, I will tell you what exciting things I have coming forward that I will make another podcast about and tell you what else we have to look forward to in the next episode. Beyond my name being Euphoria, I am a hopeful, curious, connected, creative, helpful storyteller. I am so excited to finally tell my story on this podcast and really just in general to start a dialogue about everything that I'm interested in merging into an integration of dialogue. So I want to create a dialogue about our cosmic tasks and You know, that may be like a huge topic for everyone to explore, like, what the heck? Maybe I don't have a cosmic task. I don't know what my cosmic task is. And that's totally okay. I think it's so important that we hear the stories of other people and hear how they are healers and helpers in the world. And even if you're feeling lost, or even if you feel like it's not important to have a cosmic task and you're just here, I think that's okay too. I really am just so excited for this to be a community for us to really dive deep into um, our lives and reflective dialogue about the work we do or the work that other people do and to really just reflect with on what resonates from our learnings. So my mission with this podcast is to connect people and their stories by focusing on asking people I want to interview about their hero's journey and looking for the helpers. So the hero's journey is actually a concept from Joseph Campbell. And in the hero's journey, there's typically a separation, initiation, and return. And there's many different parts of the hero's journey um, that includes... Um, leaving the unknown and going into a cave and fighting a dragon and basically learning to love your dragons and then returning home with these greater lessons to share with others. And then the cycle continues. So I believe that we are the heroes of our journeys and that we have many, many, many cycles of the hero's journey within our one lifetime. And I am so excited with you to share what I believe to be my hero's journey and how that relates to the work that I do with early childhood education, with families, with my own family, and in my own life. What do I do? I am a Montessori nature guide. I am trained in Montessori primary three to six. I'm also conscious discipline trained and I'm a family consultant I'm a home organizer. I'm a fresh homesteader of almost two years now. I'm just a general observer. I've always been a great observer since a young child, and I love learning. So I, for work, I work with children 
usually zero to six in either private lessons or group lessons, typically in nature at parks or families' homes in their backyards. And I really just individualize the learning with the children. You can see me toting around a wagon with bags full of materials and we do a work cycle and I'm heavily involved in conscious discipline with the children and the families. And then as a family consultant, I work with families in their homes to help organize and prepare the environment for the children and the whole family. And I also work with social emotional learning and academic needs. How did I get here? This is a very challenging question. Part of me wants to really go through my childhood, my adolescence, my 20s, and now my 30s, as I'm 31 now. And I don't want to talk too much about that because I think I could go on and on and on. And maybe that will reveal itself as I continue these episodes. But I guess I want to say, as a child, I was often told that I was an old soul, I was a happy baby, I raised myself, and I think I was just a huge observer. And I think I had a pretty calm, nervous system, and I had two pretty young parents, they were 21, and you can see home videos of me in the crib with Pink Floyd, like, blasting, and I think I just really settled into my environment and just took it all in, and so growing up, I always remember people telling me, like, how mature I was and how much of a little mama I was and how... I was like a little teacher working with my mom in the museums, like assisting her in her art classes. And I guess at the time, I really did not think of myself in that way. And looking back, I can totally see it. And it's really funny because growing up, I know for sure that I never wanted to be a teacher and I never really envisioned being a mom. And I actually just envisioned myself being a musician or an ice skater. Those, those were my ideas in my head. And, and they, may, they are still very prevalent in my life right now. However, it's really funny the road I've taken to become exactly an educator. But still, I'm not a, a parent. Not sure if I will be. But I'm definitely an educator. And I'm definitely obsessed with early childhood education and learning in general. And so as a child, I would say I focused heavily on connection. I focused heavily on observing the people in my life and my family, very heavily focused on expression, self-expression and self-actualization and really just having this big able to have this like macro view of my world or the world at large that um, I guess really just allowed me to think in the cosmos sense and the universal sense. And so I've really enjoyed macro and micro learning at the same time. And if I look at myself as a child, I would say 
I had some really amazing people to observe on both sides of my family. And I would say a really huge factor in my connection was um, my Aunt Charlotte, who I was idolizing as a child in home videos, watching her every movement and copying her as we're singing and performing to Annie. And I had such a cool, eclectic childhood. My mom, who was such a 90s, like, grunge hippie artist, and we would um, throw clay, and we would go to all kinds of art shows, and we would roller skate, and she would, like, grind down rails on her rollerblades, and just a really cool young mom childhood experience. And my dad had long hair going down his back when I was born. He was a bass player. And my mom and dad split up when I think I was one. I may be wrong about this, but they split pretty early. So I ended up actually living with my mom at her parents' house. And her parents um, are called Big Mama and Big Daddy for us and our family. And so they really became like my second set of parents And my dad's parents were like my third set of parents. So I was very involved with my grandparents and my great-grandparents. Because when I was born up until I was, um, I think, about seven, I had seven of my eight grandparents, great-grandparents still alive. And my great-grandparents cared for me a lot as childcare for my mom when she went back to work. So I had this really cool experience of community and elders around me. And elders were a huge part of my childhood. And just observing the family, I think, was like really huge for me. And also the nature, going out in the woods, going to the creek, collecting clay in the creek with my mom, crawling under the neighbor's cow pasture fence and running away from the bulls and going to the pond and going fishing and uh, swinging on a rope swing over the pond and just really having an awesome childhood in nature. And my mom was also so, um, she so um, valued cultural experiences. So we were always going to like Indian festivals, Greek festivals, any kind of cultural events that was happening in town, we were going to it. And also being in the museum so much, I met so many different people, experienced so much. So I think that was a really big part of my mom's parenting was to expose me and like introduce me to as many experiences as possible. And that was really beneficial. My mom was actually a Montessori educator for probably over 20 years and I was not a Montessori child in a classroom, but my mom took a Montessori approach raising me, which was very helpful. And it wasn't until I was 20, let me think, I think I was, I was mid twenties, probably 23, 24, when I actually really learned about the Montessori method. And that's when I became a teacher in a private Montessori school. So anyway, I ended up becoming an educator and it was always just so funny to me because it's the exact opposite of what I always wanted 
didn't want to do. I saw my mom struggle as an educator and I just didn't see a lot of economic advantage to being a teacher. And I wanted to really make sure that I got out of scarcity mode as an adult. So I think a lot of my childhood was observing like um, the challenges for my elders and wanting to, one, definitely try to save them from their challenges and two, try to escape them for myself. So I think I did live a good bit in scarcity as a child. Um, There were definitely some hard times for me um, with poverty. Um, Food scarcity became a thing for a little bit and having uh, uh, observing rough relationships between my mom and stepdad and a few different traumas go on. So definitely have a little bit of trauma. But when I look back, I just think of the the resilience within me to keep going and to keep um, just pushing through and learning more and wondering the whole like Pocahontas saying like what's uh, um, around the river bend. So I think that really got me to where I am. It's looking beyond the river bend and trying to discover more opportunity for myself. My, my motto, the, the iconic book that my mom and I always read together, knew the whole book by heart was, Oh, the places you'll go by Dr. Seuss, total Dr. Seuss kid. And I guess I, I felt like I would go where the boom bands or bands were playing. And so I ended up in my adolescence going to college at the College of Charleston. And I, I think I had, I went to like six different schools as like from, from kindergarten to 12th grade. And then I think I went to three different colleges for undergrad. And the last college was the College of Charleston, which was the one I originally wanted to get in the whole time. So I finally made it to College of Charleston. It was a really big deal because I was one of the first to move away to college on my mom's side. We were a very, very close family. We lived with my grandparents. My aunt and uncle lived up the hill with their children. And so we were a very tight-knit bunch and my move three and a half hours away was a, quite, the, quite a big deal for our family. And I really just was able to branch out and find myself and um, experience many different things. And so the path has been challenging, definitely academically. I, I struggled, but I always tried and tried and tried. So I, I really, it's hard for me to not go too far into everything, but it's all just exactly aligned up to where it needed to be for me to make sense of like where I am now. And in my twenties, I'll just let you know, I worked for an after school program in Charleston County for three years. And I really wanted to take that job for farther and I wanted to be the director, but they didn't hire within. So I was looking for another job. I found a private Montessori school looking for an assistant 
teacher, and so I got that job. I worked there for three years, and then I was asked to get my Montessori certification. So I ended up getting certified through AMS, which is American Montessori Society for primary Montessori, and then I began lead teaching for two years, and that five-year experience was so incredible. I learned so many things. I learned so much about myself, um, so much about working for other people, and I learned all kinds of awesome things. I also learned a whole bunch of like what not to do, and it was quite the trial and error experience, and I gained such amazing friendships there, and eventually working there I began to realize there were many patterns involving working with the children and then having like parent-teacher conferences and feeling that there was so much more I could say during these parent-teacher conferences that I just could not get out um, with the little time I had to meet with them. So I realized that the more communication I had with the parents the better results and the more we could be a team, the more it supported the child. And if we could create this triangle of child parent guide, if we could build that relationship stronger, it will benefit everyone. So I really got involved with parent education nights and I got really amped up about these things. I mean, I would make like PowerPoints. I would work on them for free for hours and hours and I would just have an amazing time at these parent teacher conferences. I felt like I was like on a high after these things and I just loved it. And then I realized I am not doing exactly what I feel like I want to do and what I need to be doing. So, I ended up leaving that school and I started my own business. At the same time, I started my graduate program for Montessori Integrative Learning, a master's in education. So I started that business and I started, I started my business and I started grad school and I was nannying and I was starting the work I wanted to do with families and I was not sure what the heck I was doing. I had no idea how to start a business. I didn't have anyone in my family that was an entrepreneur that I could figure this stuff out with. I reached out to friends. I was a self-learner. I did a lot of YouTubes, I, videos. I just, I was just winging it. Just, I, I didn't know where the heck this would take me, but I knew that this was something I had to do. So going to grad school and starting my business was incredibly helpful because it all just was integrated together. And describing my grad school program is <clears throat> really, really challenging. I'm still trying to process it, but I, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. It was one of the most rewarding, inspiring, um, eye-opening experiences that I probably will create another episode to talk about. But being in my 30s now, I can see how my job is a translator, to be a translator for children, to 
translate their needs to adults. And another huge part of my work is to um, break and heal um, intergenerational trauma. And I know that I have had um, a lot of healing occur with EMDR therapy and just a lot of uh, reading, like the body keeps the score and it didn't start with you. Um, When I lost my Aunt Charlotte, I was 11 years old and it just really shook me to my core because I believe that she she was my person and that attachment just at that time, a vulnerable time, having having um, challenging things go on in the home, it really just rocked my world from the time I was like 11 to 15. And then I had more stuff kind of go on when I was 14 to 15. So I think having some big moments in my life really um, helped me gain perspective. And it's really inspired me to help myself so that I can help other people. What is my vision for my business, Head, Heart, and Home Consulting? So my biggest vision, the overall theme, is to help families help themselves. And I want to work with groups of families locally and online all over the world. I want to help create a community, a local community, and online worldwide community. I want to work on workshops and integrate my learnings. So my vision for Head, Heart, Home Consulting is, let me explain to you what is Head, Heart, and Home. So to me, the foundation for um, social-emotional learning and academic learning is the foundation of the home. And the foundation of the home includes safety, which is the conscious discipline focus for um, safety and connection so that a child feels safe and they can reach higher centers of their brain. So home to me also includes the prepared environment, which is a Montessori Um, phrase which means that everything in the environment is accessible to the child so that the child can uh, self-create their own work independently and I believe that the home is also our connection with nature and I feel very very strong about um, our unity with animals and plants and the elements and to feel this natural connection with things because we're all connected (laughs) and so home to me is just really hitting those bases of nature safety a prepared environment and that's home and so next is going up is heart and heart for me is social emotional learning And I practice conscious discipline, which is based a lot on adult-first learning as well as Montessori. So starting with the guide or the parent, caregiver, we're going to work on our own composure first. 
And <clears throat> that composure that we have helps us co-regulate with the child. And so heart to me is about creating, um, uh, giving, giving the child and the adult tools and practicing skills so that they can co-regulate, self-regulate, just feel safe and to beyond feeling safe, be able to express themselves feel freely and to um, practice conflict resolution skills. And so I do truly feel as well that heart includes our cosmic task with, within Montessori's methodology, which means that we are consciously being led of, by um, our interests into the world so that we can help ourselves feel that peace and um, stability in our work that helps the rest of the world, the rest of the universe flow um, into a higher vibration frequency. So cosmic task and cosmic work <clears throat> is both explained. Uh, cosmic task is from Montessori and cosmic work is in conscious discipline. And I just remember seeing this uh, slide in the, the conscious discipline training in Orlando in 2021. And they had uh, a person standing there in their heart and the heart frequency that can literally be seen um, on the slide reaches out like way beyond just your body. I can't remember how exactly. I think it was like 10 feet away. So it just goes to show you like how important it is for us to practice self-composure because we're carrying that energy around with us wherever we go. And, and a huge part of working with families, working with children is um, being aware of our composure and our states of our brain. Um, so knowing the three brain states with conscious discipline is huge. And I love practical life lessons, grace and courtesy lessons in Montessori. And I feel that those, the practical life and grace and courtesy is highly related to conscious disciplines, um, visuals and um, just very uh, direct in describing and giving direction to the child um, how to go about in their daily lives. So moving from heart, I would also say, um, what would I say? I would say that this is one of my favorite places to work. <laughs> and lastly, I would say head is the top, um, head is the top of the brain, I would say, in the prefrontal cortex, which describes academic learning. And academic learning to me is not rote memorization. It is not testing. Um, it is not becoming a robot. To me, true academic learning is taking in one's reflections and internalizing and self-actualizing. And so, what that means is really being a great observer and to express oneself 
uh, and integrate oneself so that they can create their own work in the world. And so my approach is mostly Montessori and I'm a huge fan of play-based learning and nature-based learning. And academically, I would say that is the least focus for me because I want to truly focus on the foundations before the heavy um, societal expectation of learning. And we really have to work on the safety and the composure and the social emotional learning before we can expect all of these, um, all of this learning to take place. And so I think that's something we really got backwards in, in mainstream education. And so I definitely, um, I definitely like to work, um, at my own pace with children and taking in the whole child and meeting their needs where they are. And I think that everyone's working on different um, spectrums of each head, heart, and home differently. And so the challenge I have in my work is to figure out where exactly is that for every person, every person in the group, every family member, and head, heart, and home consulting is just that, to work with one's head, heart, and home. And that is my heart work. And I can't imagine doing anything differently. But that's not to say that this will always be my work because I love being flexible and holding duality that this may be something um, that exists right now and it may shift into something totally different. And that flexibility is something I learned from Margaret Wheatley who talks about um, chaos theory and talks about just really being flexible. So my vision for Head, Heart, and Home Consulting is to really go with the flow and see where it leads me. And so far, I have had success doing this. I have about... 15 families I work with in person, rotations, and I am looking forward to broadening my work into workshops and um, courses online. And I just really, I think what scares me the most about working online is losing that personal connection that I get in person. So I really love in-person work but I'm really wanting to figure out how I can keep it personal while working with people from all over the world. Maybe that's something I can talk to someone on a future episode about who's doing that very well. And anyway, I think that's about it for my vision. My vision is to just keep an open mind, integrate what I learn, and I'm just constantly learning and constantly seeing where it takes me and transforming into whatever it is. So now I'm going to let unfold anything that I'm thinking about. So right now I'm thinking about how yesterday I went to a family's house for a consultation and I started by saying hello and then asking them where I could sit to observe them 
work. So I sat on the couch and they were preparing lunch together. And I observed for a little bit before I noticed they were at a good stopping place for me to interject myself to ask some questions. So I asked them what they enjoyed to do as a family. They talked about different games they play. And then I asked them questions about their favorite work and things they want to learn about. And we talked about their jobs, what jobs were their favorite, what jobs were frustrating. And then we talked about conflicts and when they get frustrated with um, their family members. And then we tried to have some short suggestions and brainstorming conflict resolution skills. And then after they finished eating, we went upstairs and they gave me a tour of their house. And we talked about what they loved about their bedrooms and what was frustrating and they needed help with. And we finished our tour and went outside for the children to play. And then after they had gotten some zoomies out, we sat at the table and came up with another plan for our next consultation, what we will work on and what they are interested in so that I could create an individualized plan. So then after I finished there, I started working on my online plan that included all of my observations and the perspective of the caregivers and the children. And then I listed all of my resources and ideas for things that would help out. And then I wrote the plan for the next visit and things to prepare for um, in the future that we can work on together. So I'm really excited about this and it reminds me of Nanny 911 without the punishment and the judgment and the just like stiff coldness she has about her. Like some videos I would watch, the kids would like her. And I think it's just like having that structure and those boundaries. But I'm definitely not cool with the timeouts and the, all the punishments. I, I believe it's possible without doing that. I think boundaries are definitely necessary and being firm and loving. But I am not a fan of punishments. I just don't think it's very helpful. And... I really think just working as a team and and um, delegating jobs and brainstorming together, that's how we work in the world. And I really just think it's possible to include the children to brainstorm their own problems. And I think if we can practice this at a young age, I mean, we had a two-year-old sitting at the table and he's contributing. Think about the world leaders and think about the helpers we'll have by the time they're adults. So I'm just really excited to co-create with families to create this heaven on earth where we are all uh, symbiotically helping each other and we are, um, we're healing ourselves. We're working on our own composure and we are just creating optimal, op optimal environments where we can learn and create in safety and connection. And it's all about connection to me. I mean, 
Conscious discipline is huge on connection. I think Montessori was. I think she would have kept going in her learnings based on neuroscience, the brain and and connection. And I think that Dr. Becky Bailey and Maria Montessori would have been close um, educators together talking about these things. Something really excited that once happened for me was I went to a conscious discipline training that I was awarded a scholarship to and I ended up raising my hand at the end of the conference when Dr. Becky Bailey asked if anyone had podcast ideas. And so I went up to her and I said, you know, I'm a Montessorian and I really think it would be amazing if you had a podcast about how Montessori and conscious discipline are very aligned. And she said, well, you should record it with me. And I about fell over because she is like one of my role models. Try not to guru worship, but she's up there with Maria Montessori. So I flipped out. I agreed to do it, psyched myself up like the next 12 hours and then like 7 a.m., went up to her penthouse and recorded a podcast with her about Montessori and conscious discipline and my perspective and my practice using the two. So that podcast has not been published. I don't know if it ever will be, honestly, but that experience alone was incredible. And I think that really opened up my eyes to the possibility of podcast being a reality for me. That was incredible. And what I wanted to say there was I am also really, really excited because I am going to be working on conscious discipline with infants and toddlers as a helper for the upcoming conference in uh, at the end of September in Orlando. And I'm trained in conscious discipline for more of the like three to six age, but this one will specifically work with infants and toddlers. And I'm so excited about this because um, this will be a six day conference where you're really immersed with all of the conscious discipline um, people, people that are interested in it and the helpers and the speakers for six days as a school family. And it's just an amazing refresher an opportunity that I get to do this. So that's what I have to look forward to. And I think my next episode, it will either be an interview from an amazing early childhood educator, or it's going to be about the conscious discipline infant toddler conference that I'm going to be a helper. So I will be working with the other helpers and the other speakers and I believe Dr. Becky Bailey, I can't remember if she'll be there or not, but I am so, so stoked about this opportunity, and I think this will really help out with my work with other families as well, because it will give me an idea of what composure and and what I can practice with infants and toddlers, and what else can I say? I guess I'm just going to say thank you for listening and be on the lookout. There's going to be be more podcasts. I've already got like 10 people 
that have agreed and that I'm ready to interview. So watch out because once this thing starts rolling, I think it's going to, it's going to go pretty consistently hoping. So thank you so much for listening and see you next time.